Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Dr. Joel Gold has been practicing dentistry for over 32 years in Canada and the United States. Dr. Gold recognizes the ongoing advancements in science, technology, and understanding of the human body, and that dentistry is an evolving field of medicine. Dr. Gould is the founder of ModernHunterGatherers.com and author of the book, The Modern Epidemic. At Modern American Dentistry, Dr. Gould advances a straightforward and innovative approach to modern dental practices in an environment that is consistently comfortable and effective for his patients. His informative and entertaining segments on modernizing dentistry have been seen on network television, including Fox, NBC, ABC, and CBS. He is the author of the book, The Perfect Smile, and is currently hosting two podcasts, Revolution Radio, and his new show, Sauna Sessions. You can find Dr. Gould at his website at www.modernhuntergathers.com and at www.drjoelgould.com. Dr. Gould, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Hey, great to be here. So great to host you. I really stumbled through that podcast. It's or that introduction, excuse me. It's really tough <laughs> with people like you who are out in the world creating so much content all the time. I, I mentioned this to you off air. Like if I would have written this last week, it's probably outdated by then anyway. You, have you gone to Mars since then? Like what have you been up to? <laughs> no. Not at all, no, but thank you. I'll take any compliments. Yeah, um, well, you know, this is my 32nd year practicing dentistry and I've been um, in two countries. So I've done a lot of different things. And right now I'm focused in uh, Los Angeles, Manhattan Beach, California, where I still practice dentistry with a focus on preventive health care and especially insomnia, sleep apnea, and snoring. I have a program called Sleep Restoration. And I believe that the majority of the world right now is suffering from some form of sleep disorder or other. And you can see behind me um, my little logo there. So this is of great interest to me, and it's related to my book, uh, uh, The Modern Epidemic, and my new paradigm called Modern Hunter-Gatherers. And what I like people to think about is that we have the biology of a hunter-gatherer, but we live in the modern world. So we kind of want to know how these bodies should be operated. Just because we're, you know, in a in a studio right now, this is not our natural habitat. We need to really keep that in mind because our bodies are sensors for the environment. So that's where I'm focused these days. I'm still, you know, do do practice dentistry, but I'm really fascinated by this new epidemic of sleep disorders. Yeah, that is so fascinating. We've talked to several dentists on the show who are also addressing that. It's a huge problem. You're right. It is a majority of people. And you can almost like, if you walk around early enough in the morning, you can kind of see that that's the strap marks on people's faces <laughs> where they're using sleep apnea machines. It's almost like, sure. like more common than not these days. It's pretty crazy. Sure. Yeah, well, it's one of those things too. People are very embarrassed about their sleep and they get very defensive because when you ask about sleep, it's always almost an accusation of like, Oh no, I'm good. I sleep great. Um, you know, I just have a lot on my mind. And, and you know, and I want people instead of being defensive to understand that um many, many people around the world are having sleep issues, and there is a biochemical real reason. I want people to understand that there's something going wrong with our biology that is playing out in these sleep disorders. And if you don't sleep properly, a lot of bad things can follow. You're starting to hear more and more about this, but you know, when people think about sleep apnea, they think, well, that's not me. And I'm not fat and I'm a good person. And I don't want to wear that mask. You know, all that stuff comes to mind and you can't blame them because, you know, anyone who doesn't wear a CPAP doesn't want to wear one. Even people who wear one, they prefer probably not to unless they're getting great sleep and then they're going to wear it. Yeah, that's a really great point. I love that. Um, and, and it's so interesting. This is why I find the work of somebody like Dr. Mickey Bendor so interesting is like researching, this is how we evolved through time. It's not necessarily that we need to go back to, you know, living in a cave and, you know, hunting pets in the street or whatever. Like, right. like it, we, it, we need that understanding to then make choices about how we're going to live our modern lives in 2022. And, and right. you know, putting those two pieces together is so important. Well, that's really it. And if you kind of think about it in this way, in the old days, when we were hunter-gatherers, we had our tribal elders. And in our tribe, we were taught things by these tribal elders who said, don't eat these plants, eat these plants. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. Now, here we are in the modern world, and we've gotten to the point where people have sort of fallen out of their paradigm where I go to the doctor, I say I have a problem, he gives me a medication to hide the symptoms of that problem, that's it. People are really starting to wonder, you know, what is my health really all about? And what do I need to do to stay healthy? And more than anything, 
people are all trying to be fit. They're all trying to exercise and do the right things. Really, almost everyone is. The real problem is the information that's out there is not correct. And it breaks my heart because I stumbled and failed on that wrong information for so many years until I discovered the group of doctors and other experts and tribal elders that you've uh, listened to, to try and start saying, well, wait a second, how does my body really work? Who do I want to listen to? You know, and in the old days, I like to tell the story, but in the old days, if you didn't listen to the right signals around you, if you didn't hear a twig snap or, or you know, hear something out in the wild, you literally could be killed, okay, because that's how we live. These days, it's a little more insidious. And then if you listen to the wrong information or you don't pay attention to the right people, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. It's not going to be sudden death. It's going to be a long, drawn out, painful um, disease, basically, that your doctor thinks is genetic that's really coming from the environment. So I like to put everything in that hunter-gatherers framework and say, well, you know, if I were to go to a grocery store 20,000 years ago, what would I find on the shelves? Well, I would find meat and wild-caught seafood, and and I wouldn't find pasta or starches or vegetables. You wouldn't and find vegetables. You would not, not really. I'm sorry, guys. My The other th- kind of thing I like to say is that in the history of this world, no hunter-gatherer ever said, hey, honey, I'm going to go out and pick up some kale and some butter lettuce and some radicchio. You get the knives and the cutting boards ready. When I get back, we're going to chop it up and have one hell of a salad. That never happened. Never happened, okay? You. you like vegetables, great, but let's start to think about our body and our biology over hundreds of thousands of generations and, and years. And how did we become to how do we come to look like this? How do our bodies function? And these bodies, don't forget, they were created outside on this planet, in this environment, in this universe, out of the very dirt of this planet. So what we are is we're this incorporation of the, the minerals in on the on the earth's crust and we are a product of all this evolution from much lesser animals from single-celled animals and here we are these complex multicellular creatures we evolved here we need to think about what were the sensory inputs over all these thousands of years that made us who we are when we look at that we can start to understand what we need to do to keep ourselves healthy and you know the animals in captivity get sick right well this is just a cage for us we're literally animals in captivity And the reason is that our zookeepers, our doctors, and whoever else is taking care of us, they haven't really figured out what to put into this cage to allow us to be healthy. So we can't be surprised when the human race itself is getting sick because we're literally living in captivity. That is so beautifully said. I absolutely love that. And the problem is it's so normalized now. We look around and everybody is sick with something. Everybody has chronic illness. People cite you know, the, the studies that came out in 2016 and 2018 that was like 12% of Americans are metabolically healthy. And then it was 2018, it's now 7%. Do, do you think we've even gone close to go the right direction since the pandemic? It's way, way, way yeah. worse, way worse. We're, we're, really, we're really going in the opposite direction. And, and one of the things I like to say that I really want people to think about this is that you can't fix or repair something unless you understand how it works and know why it broke down in the first place. And our doctors, unfortunately, don't have a clue. And I'm a doctor. And so I'm, you know, I'm treating people based on this, this story that I learned in throughout my, my medical career, treating uh, dental patients. And for me to, to come in contact with this whole alternative universe of vitamins and minerals. And, you know, it was, it was really a journey that everyone kind of has to take. And if people watching this podcast are probably down that road, but it really is a journey and everyone has to kind of discover this, stumble over the truth themselves and start to understand that when people say everyone knows, everyone knows that vegetables are good for you. Everyone knows that meat causes cancer. Everyone knows that going in the sun causes cancer or causes melanoma. When we say these things, it's very damaging because it's simply not true. Remember that just because everybody believes something, that doesn't make it true. That's right. And that's really the case when it comes to our current modern health situation. That's really the case. The entire world is going vegetarian, vegan, but it's the same people who are trying to, to, uh, to convince you to do that. Then they were the ones who tried to convince us to go low fat in the early 1980s. Same people, same everything. And it's just for money as well. It was wrong back in those days to get rid of all those natural fats. And it's wrong today to get rid of animal everything for plant-based. We are animals. We are very different than plants. We don't technically eat plants. We eat the animals that eat plants. They're called ruminants. They're the ones who eat green growing grass. 
And they transform that grass through their gut microbiome into meat that we are supposed to eat by evolution. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's a beautiful cycle when you can understand it and see it for what it is. And and here's a good example. I took a picture the other day, kind of by the freeway. There's a little pasture with a bunch of cows hanging out on this pasture. Right behind the pasture is a a six lane freeway in either direction and a huge concrete factory that's literally like flattening an entire mountain. And it's like, you people that want to talk about climate change, you think it's these guys? You think it's the, the cows that are doing it? Like, give me a break. Well, I, I want to throw this out there, and I think you're going to start to hear this more and more. My personal belief, if climate change is real, and I think it's hard for us to guarantee that it is, the planet cools and heats at very different cycles for very different reasons. But I believe that one of the biggest issues is the lack of soil now in this world right. due to GMO farming. Because these chemicals kill the soil's microbiome. That soil is supposed to be deep. 10 feet or deeper. And this is a giant sink for organic matter. And it's been destroyed all across North America, all across China, probably across most of the world, because we don't even know the reach of companies that were Monsanto. These GMO companies, they're everywhere. And you don't even know. They've they've corrupted pretty much a lot of the planet. But when you kill the microbiome of the soil, you're literally destroying a giant carbon sink. And there's millions of acres across America, you can see it's all GMO farming. So I think this is a bigger issue than people are thinking. And, you know, the second thing is that we can't, we can't switch fuels instantly. We got to use gas for a while longer. We can use gas. It's not the end of the world, but getting rid of animals and saying that these animals are bad for us is the exact opposite. Mother nature created a perfect system and a perfect balance. Animals graze, eat green growing grass. We hunt and kill them. We eat them. That's how we evolved. We can do whatever we want, but that's what Mother Nature already figured out for us. I don't think that any factory or any scientist at this moment in time can do better than what Mother Nature has created. There's just no way. Yeah. You can't fool Mother Nature. You just can't. That's right. No, that's such a great point. Do you ever like reflect on, is money that amazing? Like The things that people do for money destroying our health, destroying our planet, Like, it, it, is having that much money like totally it's worth not- it? I've discussed this on other podcasts, and the answer to the question is the people who are doing this, they don't even need the money, okay? So it's one of two things. It's either there's a more nefarious answer, or maybe people are trying to do this on purpose, or it's just corporations that run out of control for shareholders and employees. All the employees are good people, but this is the structure that we created in capitalism, and I don't know which it is. It's probably a little bit of both. But that's where we're at. We don't even really need the money. Mother Nature figured this out. We just really need to work with her. That's the issue. I love that. That That's such a good point. I love talking to people like you that we can cover so many different topics. Um, you play beach volleyball. You said you live in LA, which is amazing. Uh, the beach volleyball down there is legit too, by the way. There's some good, good volleyball players there. So I want you to talk a little bit about the, the idea that you talked about before where the sun is going to kill you. Tell us about sunscreen, how amazing sunscreen is. Tell us how amazing your sunglasses are. Um, I know you definitely play it like dusk and dawn and never go outside in the middle part of the day. You don't want to get skin skin cancer. Yeah. Teach us about all of that. You know, well, one of the things I like to say is the sun doesn't cause cancer. Inappropriate sun exposure can lead to cancer. And one of the most important things I want to tell people is that people are all worried about going in the sun. They think they're going to get melanoma. And that fear is the opposite. Melanoma is literally caused by too little sun exposure. The studies show that people who work outdoors have a decreased incidence of melanoma. So that's the first clue because they have a higher level of vitamin D and other things that are made by the sun. But most importantly, even just through common sense, if sunlight caused melanoma, people would be getting melanoma on the tops of their ears, on their head, on their nose, on their lower lip. Those are the places where we get squamous cell carcinoma and basal cell carcinoma. Not good cancers, but those are cancers from overexposure of sun. Melanoma is completely different, and it's often found under your arm or on your back in places that that you don't go in the sun. So there's a big division. Now, I don't want squamous cell carcinoma or basal cell carcinoma, but truthfully, those are the cancers that are cosmetic that can be cut out that are very easy. Melanoma is bad. And so... You want to really make sure that you spend more time in the sun. I think the two most, uh, the worst lies that are out there right now is that meat causes cancer, butter and cheese and and cholesterol and eggs is bad for you. And the sun is dangerous. You have to stay out of it. The opposite is true. He who eats the most red meat, especially ruminants meat, 
with that's the highest fat and it spends the most time in the sun is going to be the healthiest and live the longest. And I'd love to get into why that is because I can not, not prove that I can explain it in a way that may make sense. But those are the two lies that I really, really want to dispel because that's what everyone says. Oh, everyone knows. And I hate that everyone knows thing because it's simply not true in this case. Yeah, totally agree. I got an article rejected by a local golf magazine. It was last spring. And I, I thought, okay, this is perfect timing. Let's talk about this. Let's discuss sun exposure. If you're a golfer, obviously you're out in the sun, usually the hottest parts of the day. Well, what, what things could you do to be really smart about your sun exposure? And it was things like, you know, get used to the sun early in the day. Don't go out in July at, at solar noon, if you're not used to the sun, like there's things that you can do to, 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 you know, be smart about your interaction with the sun. And it ended up getting rejected. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of like proud of that to, to be frank. And, and it was because of the whole sunscreen thing. Like we, we can't promote this idea to golfers that they shouldn't be using sunscreen. So right. ridiculous. Right. Well, the world, okay. So the world's not ready to hear what you have to say in that way. And trust me, years ago, I was sending articles to men's health about snoring and sleep apnea. I submitted articles that were well-written that had scientific references and I got rejected. They weren't even interested because it doesn't fit their narrative. So when it comes to sunscreen, the first thing I have to say is if you put it on your skin and you should be wanting to drink it because 60% of what you put on your skin is absorbed directly into you. Number one. Number two is when you spray your children with that spray can, with that clear stuff, like they're, they're, you're protecting them, you're not. You're harming them. And there's so many things that are wrong with it that I don't even really want to break down how dangerous sunscreen is and can be. Now, do I wear sunscreen? Almost never. When I wear it, I wear only the zinc non-nanoparticles. And I put it on when I have to spend time in the sun and I need to protect myself because I've come to the end of my ability to stay in the sun. And these are things that include having a base tan, taking organic sulfur called MSM, taking axaxanthine, um, and then gradual sun exposure. I use coconut oil to moisturize my skin. It doesn't fry your skin. And I'm careful. Um, but the most important thing people need to understand is that, you know, think about the fitness industry. So you say, okay, well, I want to be fit. And then there's a massive amount of information. You're going to do CrossFit. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And you got to learn about it. It's a giant industry. So when people say, well, how can I go in the sun? I can't just say like, okay, well, here's what you do. You have to really understand that this is a huge driver in our health. And if you want to learn how to be healthy, you're going to need to know how to be in the sun safely. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But do not be surprised when your health fails because you cannot fool mother nature. So when it comes to sun exposure and sunscreen, now there are some sunscreens that are better. None of the ones that have nanoparticles are safe. They're all endocrine disruptors. They're sex hormone disruptors. They're not good. Okay. These are all unusual chemicals that we shouldn't put on our skin. Now, if you ask me and you really want to dig deep, the studies that show that sunlight is dangerous, I believe they're all phony. I don't believe that mother nature would allow us to evolve this way if the sun were dangerous. Animals in the wild don't get cancer. Humans in the wild probably don't get cancer. And that's because we have all of the inputs that we need to be healthy. So for sun, it really depends on where you are. This is really critical. What time of year it is. There's a lot of information, but it's worth knowing because again, he who spends the most time in the sun is going to live the longest. One of the studies that just came out that should blow everyone's mind is that sun on our skin increases the melatonin production in our mitochondria. That is, and that came out recently. Um, I, I don't quote a lot of studies, but that's one study that you can Google. Fascinating because what that means is if you spend more time in the sun, your mitochondria, your the power plants of every single cell are going to make more melatonin. What's the big deal of melatonin? You're thinking about sleep. I know that, but melatonin is a very unusual molecule. This is the master antioxidant. Uh, it is the most powerful antioxidant because it breaks down free radicals and its breakdown products, they reduce free radicals, tells your DNA to make more enzymes to reduce free radical damage. Most importantly, when you spray um, melatonin on plants, they grow bigger. So melatonin is a universal molecule. It's the anti-damage, anti-cancer molecule, and specifically your mitochondria, the most important place in the inner 
mitochondrial membrane where life exists in a separation of charges without enough melatonin your mitochondria cannot stay healthy so to stay out of the sun i think is just it's dangerous it's wrong it's scary and people really need to understand that to do something that's so profound they need to invest some time and energy into it. There's stuff out there. I'm trying to put together more guides for people, but this is really important because you don't want to avoid the sun. You want to be in the sun safely. Yes, safely. Thank you. I love that description. I'll almost describe this as like a kind of like a pendulum for most people. Like you really want the pendulum to swing really hard one way. Like the brightest office you've ever been in has no comparison to the amount of light that's outside on like the cloudiest day. And and if you're getting that big blue light from the sky and from the sun, you're you're setting up that pendulum to swing really hard the opposite direction. And that's going to then help your sleep. So what do most people do? They get up, they have to drive to work before dark. They're covered in glass the whole time, which filters out some of the UV particles. They go to their office, stay in their office all day. They don't take the opportunity to take lunch outside, to take walking meetings and calls outside. They stay in, they drive home in the dark, and then they turn on Netflix. And now you're getting more artificial blue light at the time when you absolutely don't want it. And so that pendulum never swings and their sleep sucks. And there's your negative spiral that just gets worse and worse and worse. Right. Well, that that's part of what I call radiation rules. And to simplify what you said is we want to minimize non-native radiation or EMF, electromagnetic frequencies. Um, and we want to amplify our natural ones by being in the sun. You want to be outside during all points in the day, but especially in the morning, you set your circadian clock, you set the superchiasmatic uh, nucleus to, that's the, the master clock. So Going outside throughout the day to expose yourself to the sun is really important. And I live in LA, which is such a great place because I don't really have air conditioning. And we really live outside here, which makes life so much better. But I spend time in Atlanta. It's so hot. You don't want to go outside. You go in your car, your air conditioning car. You know, that that's a life that I'm not used to. I don't do well in air conditioning. But what you're really doing is cutting yourself off from the sun and the all the, the natural radiation that really is designed to keep you healthy. One of the primary things that that radiation does is it builds easy water in your cells. And that's the gel form of water that our cells function best with. And that's the the, the form of water that transmits all the electrons um, and which we get down to quantum physics. So that's our quantum biology. That's a big deal these days because scientists are starting to figure out that beyond the, the classical physics and, and the interaction of molecules, the subatomic particles are moving around like crazy in very different ways than people have been thinking. And we need to understand it just enough to make the best of it. And that's why being in a sauna is so healthful. That's why being in the sun is so healthful because this radiation is structuring the water in your body, which is a whole thing that we can discuss if you like. Yeah, no, absolutely. We just got a sauna a few months ago, and I can't believe how amazing it has been for my sleep. I have been watching Formula One races in there, but now that I know about your podcast that's just coming out, right. I'll be listening to the sauna sessions, which is fantastic. Right. And yeah, you, you you feel a difference. It feels different. Being in the sun, you feel that like warmth permeate through you, and it's a, it's a separate energy form. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like a, a non-caloric right. form of energy that I feel, and I miss it, it if is, I don't get out there. Right. Well, it's infrared radiation, and that's a whole range of radiation, but your body feels infrared radiation generally as heat. So when you go to a sauna, that heat that you feel, that's actually infrared radiation, and it's extremely health-promoting. Yeah, I love that. One, one of the things that we talk about when we talk about sunlight, one of the components is vitamin D. And frankly, one maybe sort of good thing that came out of the pandemic was I heard more people talking about the importance of vitamin D. I don't think it was looked at hard enough. In fact, I just started training with a client who was an IC, is an ICU nurse, um, and, and she was an ICU nurse during the pandemic. And talking to her about, you know, she said in her experience, she said, 100% of the people who ended up in the ICU were metabolically unhealthy. She didn't see, you know, we had that kind of quote unquote, like healthy person end up there. She said, if they didn't have anything diagnosed, it was, it, it should have been. Um, and the other thing they said, they, they did test inconsistently, but she said that vitamin D levels on people they did test who got whacked really hard were very low and their other inflammatory markers were really high. So again, I think we heard a little bit about that during the pandemic, but um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the importance of vitamin D. Yeah. Well, okay. So it, it's a good thing. So vitamin D is a very unique thing because it's not a vitamin. It's not in milk. It's not in juice. It's artificially placed there in only a tiny amount. 
And I've spent the last, you know, uh, several years really researching this and not just to understand it. Once I understood it, it kind of blew my mind. But I wanted to learn about it in a way that was so comprehensive and deep that I'd be able to share my information because I personally suffer from vitamin D deficiency my whole life and it destroyed my life. So with that in mind, I became an expert at how to dose vitamin D, what levels are best, what do you take with it, and all those different things. And there's still so much to learn about vitamin D that people don't know. Now, obviously, getting your vitamin D from sunlight is always going to be better because you don't just make vitamin D, you make other chemicals. And anything that you make naturally, in my opinion, is going to be better than taking something synthetic. But a lot of places you need to supplement vitamin D, so that's fine. Why is vitamin D such a big deal? Imagine if doctors went to medical school and they didn't learn about the heart. And then they started to practice and someone would come and say, uh, my, I have a pain right here. And they'd be like, oh, it must be a backache. Here's a prescription for, for pain medication. This hormone was omitted from all of medicine at a very early stage. So all of medicine came up without anyone understanding what vitamin D deficiency is. And then it just played out in different diseases, in dental decay, dental caries, periodontal disease, and um, the the bacterial skin and lung infection um, uh, if tuberculosis before antibiotics. So we need to start to think about that when, when in, prior to antibiotics, they were introduced in, in the very early 40s. Prior to that, if you had an infection, there was no antibiotics. And this huge plague was around everywhere. Millions of people died from tuberculosis. It was a lung infection and a skin infection. And to cure it, they would send people to sunny locations to lie in the sun. So sunlight itself heals you. Well, why would it heal a bacterial infection? So we want to look at the main things that vitamin D does. Number one, vitamin D regulates the immune system and the creation of something called um, antimicrobial neuropeptides. These are little proteins that literally destroy viruses and bacteria. So if you have low vitamin D and you have a virus of any kind, COVID or not, you're not going to be able to fight it off. You need to have that higher level of vitamin D to be able to produce those chemicals to destroy the viruses. That's why those people got sick. Now, on the same note, when you said all these people have metabolic disease, metabolic disease is a vitamin D deficiency, okay? That's ultimately what it is. And I'll explain how that works because all the people who are visibly obese, who have all these different symptoms, diabetes, none of them have the right level of vitamin D, none of them. And it's a syndrome that starts off in the gut with the gut microbiome because vitamin D and sunlight regulate the gut microbiome. Now your gut microbiome, you've been hearing a lot about, this isn't basically an organ in your body. It's all the bacteria. And this weighs as much as your brain. These bacteria, they have 99% more of their DNA is involved in our body than you. So we really rely on these, these, these bacteria. This is critical to our health. And vitamin D regulates this. And of course, this makes sense. Because in the old days, when your vitamin D level was low, it was winter. And the gut microbiome would shift into a winter mode to store fat and shut down all the metabolic functions that did not need to be used because we're in the middle of winter. It could be a famine. And people are walking around with very low vitamin D. Their bodies are stuck in what I call permanent winter. And when the vitamin D level goes down, the parathyroid hormone goes up and it stops lipolysis, stops the breakdown of fat. So when you have low vitamin D and you go to the gym and you work out like, I'm going to get fit, your body's like, mm, I could burn fat. Market burn muscle. I'm going to save the fat. That fat is going to save me through this winter. I'm going to burn the muscle. I can build that up in the summer. And that's the evolutionary background of our bodies. So, all these people who are obese, all the people who are in this position, they all are vitamin D deficient. They're all metabolically inflexible. They all have sleep disorders. If they're older, they have sleep apnea. If they're younger, they have the, the junior versions. And this is a syndrome where the gut microbiome cannot provide the right chemicals and you don't get to be healthy. This is what I call human power saving mode. And it's really regulated by your vitamin D status. So that's the first thing that vitamin D does. The second thing that vitamin D does is it controls calcium absorption. Your bones and your teeth are made of calcium. All of your cell signaling is done by calcium signals. You need to have enough calcium. And then the third, and I think probably ultimately most important thing vitamin D does is it's influential in regulating your sleep cycle. If you don't sleep properly, you don't heal and you don't regenerate. We only break ourselves down during the day. It's when we sleep 
that we release human growth hormone and we start to repair our bodies. And if you're not sleeping right day after day, you're going to age prematurely, you're going to break down. And certain things are going to happen based along the lines of your own genetic predisposition. Some people will get this disease, some people will get that disease, but ultimately it results in illness. Not sleeping properly results in illness. Low vitamin D is the direct cause of not sleeping properly. There are some other things, but when you look at the big picture and all the biochemical markers, it's really low vitamin D that causes a reduction of the gut microbiome that really affects the B vitamins. And we make our B vitamins in our gut. And that's the sort of the crux of my work is that if you can think about what a D looks like, if you stack one D on top of another, do you get a B? So vitamin D regulates the B vitamins and the B vitamins regulate everything, especially your mitochondria. If your mitochondria doesn't have all the B vitamins it needs, all these weird things go on, and that is metabolic disease. It's technically a B vitamin deficiency, secondary to a vitamin D deficiency. Now, I can show you the studies that support this, but it's more a mechanism of action and thinking about how does the electron transport chain work? How do we make energy? What if we take away vitamin B1 of the eight B vitamins? What happens? Well, we see really specific stuff, and that's why you're going to start to see more stuff come out about the B vitamins because these are ultimately, I call them mother nature's helpers because they're interjected. They are cofactors for all the enzymes of the electron transport chain. And to anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's our system for making energy. If you don't have the right B vitamins, the enzymes that make energy for you, they don't get turned on properly. Oh, that was a clinic. That was so well explained. You, you didn't just learn this yesterday. I can tell you that. Well, you know, I've got a message to share and I want to be, I really want to be as precise as possible because I think that people are all, people aren't sleeping properly and no one has the patience to, to dig through too much. I want to create a little trail of breadcrumbs so people can follow me down this path of where I can show them all this really cool stuff that I found, but it's a lot and I want to make it interesting. I want people to really want to learn about their health. Because when I go through these different lists of symptoms, few of them will, will resonate with you. And I want people to say, hey, wait, I have that. And one of them is bruxism, clenching and grinding. If anyone listening to this grinds their teeth, you have a primary vitamin D deficiency and a secondary B vitamin deficiency. It's not caused by stress. It's not because you have a lot on your mind. Your child who's three years old who grinds their teeth or snores is extremely vitamin D deficient. And it's as simple as that. And people, when people ask me, like, so how can you prove that snoring or bruxism is caused by low vitamin D? Well, here's what I can say. If you have a child that snores or grinds their teeth and you give them vitamin D and they stop two days, three days, and then you take away the vitamin D and they snore again, then the root cause of snoring and bruxism is vitamin D deficiency, period. There really isn't room for any discussion of that. Now, if you as an adult have a high vitamin D level because you're supplementing and you still grind your teeth, then that's going to be more of a B vitamin deficiency. And that's something that I see all the time. Again, those B vitamins, they're, they're really critical for everything, primarily for the production of energy. If you don't have the right level of energy in your cells, you're not going to be healthy. If you don't have enough of Mother Nature's electricity, which is called ATP, adenosine triphosphate, no cell can really complete all of its cellular tasks. So this is really an energy-generating deficit caused by a B vitamin deficiency, caused by a vitamin D deficiency. So back to vitamin D, this regulates sleep, the gut microbiome, and the immune system. And your doctor didn't learn about it. Oh, regulates bone, bone growth, calcium, calcium signaling. And your doctor didn't learn anything about it in medical school, nothing. That's a really big deal. This was discovered along with vitamin K2. And I want to talk about vitamin K2 as well, because if you haven't heard of vitamin K2, you need to stop literally and go get some, because vitamin D3 and vitamin K2, they go together, they're soulmates. And I say that with soul SOLs for sun. So these two chemicals were discovered over 90 years ago, and medicine has omitted them. They are not in our medical textbooks. They are not in our clinical practice. But them being missing is at the root cause of cardiovascular disease on a high level and almost all chronic inflammatory diseases. Add in magnesium deficiency, and that's really the trifecta. We have one more of the missing pieces, and that's sulfur, organic sulfur. And I call those the foundational four, D3, K2, magnesium, and sulfur. Um, two technically vitamins and two minerals, because these four elements, they are responsible, them not being present in our food chain or in our lives anymore, these missing elements of life, these four missing pieces, they're literally responsible for 80% of the disease you see in front of you. And people don't know a lot about sulfur deficiency yet, but that's one of my topics. They're starting at the top with vitamin D3, 
And that's great. If you take vitamin D, you need to take vitamin K2, and I'll tell you why. But then you want to also take magnesium because magnesium is going to power all these reactions. Vitamin D works best with a, a, a normal level of magnesium. And then at the very end, I want to throw in sulfur. So I'm happy to, to go through any of those. But um, that, that D3K2, critical for bones, calcium. Without K2, your calcium doesn't get where it's supposed to go. It builds up in your arteries. And your doctor will test it for a CAC scan and say, you have heart disease. And all you really have is a vitamin K2 deficiency. Wow. It may be severe, but it's reversible. Wow, that's amazing. You mentioned tuberculosis. You mentioned the bone healing. And you mentioned doctors not getting trained in this. We have beautiful pictures from like the 1910s and 1920s up in the Swiss Alps, heliotherapy, people laying out on decks, healing themselves through the sun, and even discovering things like if you wore sunglasses, the healing wouldn't work. You needed the sun to enter through your eyes. And we knew all of this and it's never taught. You're right. It's so sad. But yes, I would absolutely love to go through some of those things. Um, I've I've been more familiar with the pairing of of D3 and K2. Um, I think that's really important. I know next to nothing about the sulfur. So all of those I think would be awesome to go through and why they're important. And, and also if they are really truly not present in our current diets that we absolutely really should, or we have to supplement with. Right. Well, so the reason everyone has to supplement these things is because we have something in our food that is unavoidable and it's a chelator. So what that means is it will take metals out of availability. So magnesium is a, is a metal uh, mineral element and it'll be taken out of commission. Sulfur will be taken out of commission. And this is called glyphosate. This is the toxin that is in all the food that's in every box all across America. And even in some of the ones that say non-GMO, I don't necessarily believe that. I've been testing some stuff and labels are labels. But the reason this is going on is because we're literally being poisoned with this chemical. This chemical destroys our gut microbiome. It's an antibiotic. And it takes metals out of the mix. And one third thing that it does, it gets substituted for one of your main amino acids. And so it gets incorporated into our collagen and every bit of our fiber. We're being poisoned on a molecular level by people who don't even need the money. And it's destroying the the microbiome of the planet and the microbiome of our bodies. This is what's killing the bees. And you can't avoid it. It's in uh, a newborn baby's urine. It's everywhere. So you can't get rid of it. Just how do you sort of work around? So that's why supplementing magnesium, and in my opinion, sulfur is so important. These weren't required 20 years ago. This started in 1995, 1997. Last 20, 30 years has just been amplifying. So every day we're being poisoned. Our gut microbiome is being poisoned more by this stuff that you can't see, smell, taste, or touch. It's there. You just don't know it. So that's why I think those other minerals are important. But Real quickly, vitamin K2 is simple. If you have vitamin D, you want to have vitamin K2 because once you bring in the calcium into your body, it's going to stay in your arteries. There are two enzymes that bind calcium and take that calcium in and out of your cartilage and bone. And those two enzymes are vitamin K2 dependent, meaning if there's no vitamin K2, those enzymes are just sitting around texting each other. They got nothing to do. Those enzymes will regulate how your nasal septum calcifies, whether you can breathe, breathe through your nose, those enzymes will regulate how much calcium gets into your jaw. Will I have room for my wisdom teeth? Will I have room for all of my 32 teeth? And the answer is no, if you don't have enough vitamin K2. When you see people with a weak jaw, that's a vitamin K2 deficiency. And it's critical for health. Now, vitamin K2 activates 18 known enzymes. So there's more, probably more by now. But that's really important. And where does K2 come from? It comes from the milk and meat of animals that eat green growing grass. The greener the grass, the higher the K2. It doesn't get, it gets destroyed in raw milk and it's only found in the little hard cheeses. I say, if I'm going to supplement one thing aside from vitamin D, it's going to be vitamin K2 and then magnesium. This is critical that I call them the terrific trio. So magnesium is easy because magnesium activates ATP. Every single molecule of ATP, adenosine triphosphate is a little rechargeable battery that gives your body a little bit of power. That little battery pack does not get ignited or activated without magnesium. So if you don't have enough magnesium, you cannot make enough energy. Magnesium is also a cofactor for many, many different enzymes. And our bodies are run by these enzymes. If you don't have the cofactors that activate them, you're not going to be healthy. And that'll leave us to sulfur, which I do want to talk about, but I'll let you let you ask any questions about those too. And those are the ones that you'll hear in other podcasts. Um, I don't have any great information on those other than what you probably heard before. 
Gotcha. Okay, so two quick questions before we move on to sulfur. Um, when we're taking D and K2, do we want to consume those? That Do we want to take the supplement with fat since they're fat-soluble? So I don't care. Cool. Uh, I just want my patients to take them. I don't think it's as critical as people are thinking, but sure. It's, um, you know, it's fat soluble. So sure, if you have some you're eating some fat, that might be better. Um, I personally, I'm just more worried that people are going to take the right dose for the right amount of time in the right way. I personally don't, unless you're doing a ton of intermittent fasting and you're like me, I'm an OMAD, eat one meal a day, but I do have some bulletproof coffee. So um, if I'm going to have my bulletproof coffee, I can take my vitamins that has some fat in it. Cool. So I'm not, I'm not really that worried about it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. That's kind of what I do with my diet as well. Um, what about, I know this is going to vary widely, but how, how do you know supplementation as, as far as amount, especially with vitamin D? So rule of thumb that I like to use is it's 1000 international units per 25 pounds, hundred pound woman, 4,000 IU. Um, and you, you know, you can do the math for 200 pound man, eight, eight, uh, hundred, eight thousand IU. And it doesn't matter. Vitamin D is not about how much you took during that day. It's your level. When you're taking that vitamin D, it gets transformed into a storage form called 25 OHD. That's the one that your doctor measures. That's important to have a high level because your body stores it everywhere, especially in your fat, but it will only be allowed to use the vitamin D that's available to activate it into the active form when you want that. So when you're dosing vitamin D, it really depends on a lot of things, your body size, sunlight exposure, your skin tone, um, what kind of food you eat, all these different factors. It's not that critical. I want my patients to have a level always over 40, always, preferably in the 60 to 80 range. If you're in Canada, that's 150 to 200 nanomoles to make things more, more confusing. Now, when I say take 8,000 or 10,000 IU of vitamin D, sometimes my patients are like, oh my God, are you trying to kill me? One, a 10,000 international units of vitamin D is 0.25 milligrams. So when I say to somebody, I've got 0.25 cats here and I've got 10,000 cats here, you're like, well, it's not even a whole cat. That's not very much. Whoa, that's a lot of cats. 10,000 of anything is a massive amount and it makes you scared. But you're not a, a statistician, mathematician, chemist, or whatever. I did the research and 10,000 IU is 0.25 milligrams. 40,000 IU is one milligram. So you know, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything unless you understand um, biology. It really doesn't. So um, it, depending where you live and your sun exposure, um, you may need to take a higher amount. If you're really low, you want to take a loading dose. I think that 20,000 IU, international units per day, is the maximum I recommend on a regular basis because that's how much you could make in the sun if you were to suntan at noon in your bathing suit. So I think it's still physiologic, meaning that it's not unnatural. I wouldn't take it without vitamin K2 and magnesium, but that's the highest dose I tell people to take when they're low. Say, hey, take 20,000 for a couple of weeks and then lower it down. And then you wanna test yourself. This is one of the most important markers for cancer. This is something that really deserves more respect in the same way, like when you go to, I, when I found out what vitamin D was, I was blown away because I did the research on cancer and I came to the conclusion that all the people who had cancer had really low vitamin D. And then they'd say like, we don't know if the cancer lowered the vitamin D or if the low vitamin D caused the cancer. Like, well, both. Once you get sick, when your vitamin D level drops, you get sick. Once you're sick, it'll drop your D level even further. But that association, I started to say this one thing and I still really believe this. There's nobody on this planet who ever got an initial diagnosis of cancer that had a high vitamin D level. I don't believe that's ever happened. Traditionally, someone will get a diagnosis of cancer. If they get a vitamin D test, if they're lucky, they'll find it's probably below 10. And I've seen that wow. many times. Yeah, very common, okay? Who gets, um, you know, the the uh, there, there's the infection, um, uh, there, there's a couple of different, MRSA, methicillin resistant staph aureus. Who gets that? People with low vitamin D. Who, well, people who are immunocompromised. Well, who's immunocompromised? the people with low vitamin D because vitamin D regulates the immune system. So it's kind of like a circular discussion. And I believe that really all these things are completely related to vitamin D because of how profound this is in your body. So when it comes to dosing, overdose, don't, I would rather have you, I don't want anyone to go past hundred, but I see people at 200 or higher. No one's ever died from a vitamin D overdose. It just hasn't happened. Wow. Don't do it. Don't do it. Millions of people have died from too low vitamin D. Yeah. When when you go to your doctor, if your vitamin D level is up really high, don't let your doctor panic you. You won't have any symptoms. Stop supplementing. Let it go down. Do not panic. 
you don't want to run it too high, but don't be nervous about taking three, four, five, eight, ten thousand 10,000 IU vitamin D. You've got to do it daily, day after day, week after week for it to build up in your body. That's how vitamin D is. It's not like other vitamins that you take. It goes into your body and it's done. Vitamin D is fat soluble and will accumulate in all of your, your adipose, your fat tissue. Yeah, fascinating. Okay, so that answers your, yeah, that answers your question. Absolutely. And I don't know how many times we plugged this app on this show, but DMinder, you've got to get DMinder to at least learn about this stuff. And you can see on DMinder, it right. does show you that accumulation, whether from supplementation or from the sun, and then doing things like putting your weight, your skin type, is it cloudy outside? It, it helps you understand how to get vitamin D naturally and also what supplementation does. Yeah. Well, also, uh, one of the, the, the tips that I like to give people is that when you're outside, if your shadow is shorter than your height, you're making vitamin D. Once your shadow is longer than your height, and you can look at a, a fire hydrant or a signpost, when the sun has come down and that shadow that it casts is longer than the height of the object, vitamin D is over. The sun has to be high enough in the sky to be strong enough to break the bond on cholesterol because vitamin D is made from cholesterol on your skin. And if the sun isn't that high, you're not going to make vitamin D. It's still healthy to be in the sun. But if you intend to go out to make vitamin D, you won't be making vitamin D unless your shadow is shorter than your height. That is such a great point. I learned that on a shirtless walk yesterday afternoon, as I heard you say that on another podcast, it was very sad to know that it was about an hour and a half after solar noon, right here in Salt Lake City. My shadow is a little bit taller than mine was. It probably get be a much better basketball player than me, but uh, yeah, really, really sad that up at my latitude, there is a time during the year where you can't generate vitamin D, although I completely agree with you. That's not the only reason to stay in the sun. And so, yeah, I... But also Utah has a high elevation. So uh, the D determinants are like, what's your latitude? What's your elevation? What's the clarity of the sky? Are you in a tropical environment? Because all these things will filter the amount of, of sunlight that comes through. So they're all factors that you want to think about. Yeah, so important. I love that. One quick question on magnesium. Do you, Is there a certain type that you prefer or a way that you like to get magnesium in the body? So the best way you can get magnesium in your body is from oysters, shellfish, that type of stuff. I supplement, I have my own vitamin line that I, I'm working with a company that's in the U.S. called Orthomolecular. And it's a, it's a combination of several different magnesiums together. Um, I only like to go so far down these rabbit holes. I'm more interested in communicating the importance. I don't really know which is the best, but mine's a combination. And I know that um, uh, they do a lot of research and I feel like they think this is a good uh, mixture of products. So that's what I recommend as well. Um, I think that, the, you know, also you can really get magnesium from Epsom salts, baths, or being the ocean yeah. transdermally. I think that's a good way to get it too. That's great. I love that. Okay. Let's talk about sulfur. This again is something that I know very little about. Why is that so important? Sure. Well, very people, very few people are thinking about this and where this came from was when I got into this whole area, uh, of, you know, I, I found out all these different things. I came across a researcher by the name of Stephanie Seneff, and I've done some podcasts with her. She's genius. I am in love with this woman. She's so smart. And she did a presentation about sulfur and um, a, an enzyme called endothelial nitric oxide synthase or ENOS. And that is a, um, a cartoon character that I have from one of my movies because this enzyme is so important. You know about endothelial nitric oxide synthase from um, nitric oxide, because I know that the biohacking community is all familiar with nitric oxide, because when sunlight hits you, you actually produce nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, okay? But this enzyme also produces another product, and that product is actually called cholesterol sulfate. So this enzyme, it's a moonlighting enzyme, and it has two different jobs, all right? So why is that important? Why have you not heard of it? Well, it's not very exciting stuff, to be honest with you, but ultimately, I want to ask you a question and how I want to come to sulfur is I want to ask you this. So, you know, that, I mean, red meat, does it cause cancer? No. Okay. Red meat, does it cause heart disease? No. Okay. So what's the root cause? So I, I'm with you. I don't believe that eggs, butter, or cheese, grass fed, organic stuff, and red meat or fat. I don't believe eating any, eating any of that causes heart disease. If that's the case, then what is the root cause of heart disease? That's what's the alternative theory? That's a great question. I think a lot of people would blame sugar, and I think there's a strong case to be made there, but I do feel like it's that that can't be the only thing. There's got to be a we, lot more we, to it. We, we were eating sugar in the 1920s, and people did not have heart disease, mm. okay? 
we were eating sugar in the 1930s and 40s and we did have heart disease. Heart disease came a little later on. And um, there's a bunch of different factors that I believe come together. So if if what's the root cause of cardiovascular disease if it's not what everyone's saying? Well, I'm going to tell you that it's four-prong and it is my foundational four. It's a vitamin D3, vitamin K2, magnesium, and sulfur deficiency. And where sulfur comes into this is you have something in all of your arteries and blood vessels called the glycocalyx. Now, this is a word that you may not have heard before, but I can guarantee you, you're going to hear about it. It's in my songs and I have a track that sulfur sings. It's called um, Wet and Wild. And so sulfur is one of my main characters because um, it's so important in your body. And so sulfur is essential in the creation of easy water. It's essential in creating those layers of gelled water. And especially it's essential for the proteoglycans, for the, the actual molecules that go into your arteries that are embedded in there to create a very um, negative charge with the sulfur atoms because sulfur has a negative charge and it will start to bring water to it. And it creates easy water in layers that lubricates and it lubricates everything. Every mucous membrane of your body wants to do this. If you felt a fish and you felt that slimy sensation, you're feeling that easy water that is there from sulfur that's happening on those fish. So when it gets into the heart, you have to understand that the blood vessel itself is very delicate. Our, our endothelial cells are one cell thin. This is thin. But we have this these protrusions into the cell membrane of these proteoglycans. These are sugars and proteins that are get collected with, with sulfur. And that sulfur draws water to it. And it creates this smooth, slick, easy water. And that's what sulfur does. One of the things it does. Now, fascinatingly enough, we have to start to think about, well, when I say cholesterol sulfate, you say, well, cholesterol, do you think cholesterol is bad? Well, you know that it's not. And people ask me, well, what about the bad cholesterol? There is no bad cholesterol. Cholesterol is a molecule. It's, I think, 26 carbons, okay? we're ta They're talking about the carriers or the, the ferry boats that bring cholesterol. But what if I told you that that whole system of ferrying cholesterol was only secondary to how we're supposed to transport cholesterol? Thank you. Supposed to be transported along with sulfur, as in cholesterol sulfate. Cholesterol is hydrophobic. It's terrified of the water. It will not go into your blood. Sulfur is hydrophilic. It, it lives in water. So I created these cartoon characters. Sulfur is the king of the hydrophiles, and cholesterol is queen of the hydrophobes. And when they get joined together, now you have a, model, a, a molecule that's amphiphilic. One end has got a charge. That's the sulfur end. It can go in the water. And the other end doesn't have a charge, it's cholesterol, but this molecule can go into the blood and now you can traffic or transport cholesterol everywhere in the body because cholesterol is your repair molecule. And that molecule of cholesterol sulfate will insert itself into your cell membrane and leave the sulfur behind to, to contribute to the glycocalyx or any mucous membrane lining. So, and that reaction is caused by sunlight. So in sunlight, this enzyme grabs cholesterol and sulfur and joins them together. Now this new molecule, this is your repair duo. Cholesterol and sulfur go around your body, into your fascia, into every part of your body to deliver cholesterol for repair's sake and to lubricate. Sulfur is also a powerful antioxidant because it has a negative four charge, generally speaking, and it protects you from radiation, protects you from chemicals. I take sulfur before I go in the sun knowing that I'm gonna be making cholesterol sulfate. The sulfur itself protects you. And even one step further, the molecule cholesterol sulfate goes to your DNA and stimulates the production of a cross-link protein that goes in your skin to protect you from sunlight. So sulfur itself and the cholesterol sulfate molecule, they contribute to your body's natural sun protection. So when I go in the sun, I take my sulfur well before I don't burn. I don't burn because sulfur protects me from radiation. I don't burn because um, I have a base tan. I don't burn because this actual chemical that your body's making is building up like a mesh that diffuses sunlight. This is part of our body's natural defense. And the sulfur has been removed from our food chain with processed foods and glyphosate. So that's the last one that I insist on supplementing. I think it's really critical. And I believe that Sulfur deficiency is truly at the core of cardiovascular disease because what you need to have is an area of the glycocalyx that becomes open to 
getting scraped and, and, and brutalized. And then you have calcium building up there because you don't have vitamin K2. And then the blood vessels themselves don't function properly because vitamin D regulates um, the uh, angiotensin converting enzyme. The, the whole water system of your body is trying to be regulated. And all of these things, these four separate things gang up and ultimately, I believe, are the root cause of cardiovascular disease. I think I could prove it to you with at least 200 to 300 studies, but I can just ask you to use your common sense is that, well, yeah, if you take a protected area and you remove its protective coating, that area is going to start to get damaged. And that cholesterol, that's your body trying to fix it. That's not the cholesterol from your food getting stuck there. That's just not the case. I call that non-scientific extrapolation. So I think that organic sulfur called MSM is critical and it's been around forever. A lot of uh, homeopaths, naturopaths, chiropractors know about it. It's just not mainstream and it's kind of, it doesn't taste that good, doesn't stink. It's just kind of hard to incorporate into your life, but it's doable. And I, I really want to, I want to supplement that because I know how critical it is. Wow. That is amazing. Thank you so much for that explanation. <laughs> I, I like to think that like, I've been in the nutrition world for a long time. I've been in the low carb world for a long time. You know, I've been carnivore for a long time. And I understand the mechanisms of cholesterol and chylomicrons and the lymphatic system and the hepatic system. But like, you learn about something like this. And you're like, why doesn't anybody talk about this? Nobody talks about this. Well, the the, the um, cholesterol statin industry is, is a billion-dollar industry. And did you know that statins also destroy vitamin K2's ability to protect you? Because it does. So taking statins will make extra calcium build up in your arteries. It, it just gets worse. But, you know, that's why, you know, there's podcasts like this. What, what I decided to do, you can see behind me my posters and there's like dolls in my car, is that when I discovered this stuff seven years ago, I wasn't the first one. I'm not the only one to make these um, uh, discoveries. But I was really dismayed in the idea that it's hard to get information out. So what I wanted to do was create a mechanism that would allow me to share this most basic irrefutable information, not just share it, but to insert it into mainstream. And I'm doing that through music and animation, and I really want to go to kids. And I'm not telling anyone anything but the absolute truth. But think of this as schoolhouse rock on steroids. So that's what my information is. I really want to share this. The message is simple. Um, but it needs to be brought into our lives in a very different way. You know, the, the, um, the average doctor, when they hear this information, they never listen to it. You know, I may or may not have patients who are cardiologists who don't take vitamin K2. They're not open to it. And I treat everyone in my practice the same. So I tell everyone that comes to see me, these are the vitamins I think are important. But I often will ask medical doctors, do you take this? And, and most of them don't. Wow. Most of them, and sadly, a lot of them aren't necessarily even open to it. Also, maybe because it comes from a dentist and they may think, you know, I, I don't mind that. I really don't care. I'm here to share my information no matter to who or what. And I'm not insulted. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a dentist. I'm a doctor of the mouth. Happy. It's been a great career. That's amazing. So. Well, no, I really appreciate that you want to share that message in that way. I even think back just a few years ago when Dave Feldman was doing his initial cholesterol research and he was putting it into like a cartoon style where things were talking to each other. And I remember like that was the best way for me to understand that information. It was way too complex and complicated without uh, making it into a cartoon, which sounds silly for a 38 year old to it's say, true. but that's what yeah. it is. It's the truth. And, and this is how everyone learns because, you know, again, I, I figured out. So um, I always like to talk about Weston Price. I know you know who Weston Price is. I'm a Canadian dentist. Weston Price was a Canadian dentist that I didn't learn about. I have I have pleaded with my uh, dental school back in Canada to be able to talk about him with medical and dental students. And they don't want to talk to me. It's a bit disappointing because I really love my, my uh, dental school. But no one's talking about this. This is extremely important. And when I saw what Weston Price did, he tried his best. He put his stuff into a book and he put pictures. And that is the, the life-saving thing, but it still didn't go viral, all right? Now, here we are. I consider myself, if I believed in uh, reincarnation, I'd be Weston Price reincarnated. And if you follow my Instagram feed at modern underscore hunter underscore gathers, you're going to see a video of me doing the WAP dance. I call the Weston A. Price dance where I changed Cardi B's words for healthy words. You're going to see me do the, do the WAP dance. But I want to take his message, which is so critical, and I want to do what he didn't get to do. I want to insert it into popular culture, and that's my main goal. That's why um, I want to be on a podcast with you. That's why I don't know any phone calls I get. I always want to share this information because 
this information destroyed my life. The idea that I didn't have it destroyed my life. I have a history of chronic inflammatory illness. And I want to make sure that it's out there in a way that people can really get their minds around. And my job has always been really more of a, a translator. So I understand science. I have a doctorate of science with a background in molecular biology, but I'm a clinician. I work on people. I talk to people. I have to get somebody to give me $1,000 and then I have to put a needle in their mouth. I got to get to know people. So that combination of those two things has allowed me to be able really to translate this very complex yet simple biology. And my goal is to put it out there. It's not like, well, the studies show this. Say, mechanism of action on a biochemical level is much more important than any study because all studies are flawed. Who did it? Who paid for it? What kind of light were the, were the sex test subjects in? What was their vitamin D level? I can tell you that when an enzyme is missing a cofactor, it doesn't work. That's a mechanism of action. Do you want to do studies? Sure. Do you want to take vitamin K2 away from your kids to see if their face doesn't grow? Probably not. We want to look at that mechanism of action and say, well, hey, is vitamin K2 toxic? Not at any level. Well, why wouldn't we want to give it to our kids? No reason. Let's do it. And let's look at the people who supplemented vitamin K2 and did they have all 32 teeth? Did they need braces? These are the kind of studies that can prove these things, but I don't care. I'm not here to prove these things that are obvious 90-year-old information. I'm here to make that information stick. I want to make it memorable and I want to have a good time doing it. That's why I'm into music and that's why I'm into the animation. It's got to be fun. I don't care if you're three or 30. I have information I want you to know about. And if you don't want to do it for yourself, you don't want to help yourself and you don't believe me, I'm just a dentist or whatever it is, you may have a problem with me. You may not agree with me. If you have kids, please, I ask you to look into it. Not for yourself, do it for your kids. As a child, I suffered miserably. And I was mutilated. I had my tonsils taken out. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at the age of 14. It was part of my language. You can believe this out. It was a really shitty life. And um, it was unnecessary. And I want to make sure that this simple message of supplementing these four critical natural chemicals is out there. And that people don't want to do it, they can choose not to. But they should know. Everyone pretty much knows, "Eh, if I eat junk food, I'm probably not going to be healthy. But they don't know that a lot of the other stuff that they're doing is probably really, really wrong. So I want to make sure that that mystery, when people are willing to work hard, I want to give them those levers to pull to control their health. And that goes for weight loss, and it goes for sleep, and it goes for dental development, it goes for everything. I want to teach people how to pull the levers of their body so that they can operate this piece of machinery that we never got an owner's manual for. You know? Yeah, dude, that is amazing. We are so grateful for you and your work and sharing your message. And dude, it's your day off. You were playing beach volleyball. You stopped (laughs) to come in and talk to us, which is incredible. We feel your passion and energy. And just like everybody else in this space, magically, wonderfully, for no reason, is reverse aging. You're getting younger and younger and younger as your chronological age goes. And if nothing else, to provide that example to a world where the delta between the healthy and the unhealthy is getting so wide. I think it's wonderful. The message that you're sharing and all the work that you're doing, we're so incredibly grateful for you. Dr. Joel Gould, where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work? Sure. Um, well, one of the, you, you led me into what I want people to know is something about deuterium. You may have heard about deuterium before. Deuterium is a stable hydrogen isotope. You can find my work at deuteriumrecords.com. And that's my record label. It's my media company. But you can also find me on my website, modernhuntergathers.com, Dr. Joel Gould. If you type in vitamin D dentist, Joel, I'll come up. And if I don't, then Google is filtering me, which is possible. But um, I want people to understand that deuterium is what ages you biologically. And when you lower your deuterium, you reverse time. And that's why I call deuterium father time. And a lot of my material is based around this. And it's related to vitamin D, it's related to sunlight and all this stuff, but you're gonna hear more about this. This is a form of hydrogen that's everywhere in your food, in your water, and in your body. And um, I think that that's what my focus is, is trying to live a deuterium depleted lifestyle. And that's something that I've talked about in other podcasts as well. It's a lot of information because deuterium itself is a whole hour podcast just to get you to understand what it is. But remember, I've got cartoons. You can download my ebook for free at modernhuntergathers.com and you'll see all my cartoon characters it's just a preview, but it's going to lay out um, what I'm trying to show. And then there's some dosing recommendations and everything at the bottom of that book. And it's free, free of charge. I also have a book on reversing Crohn's disease on Amazon. 
And um, that one is just basically the recipe of what I did. I can't tell you, I'm not a medical doctor. I reversed my Crohn's disease. I wrote about it and I included the scientific studies with links. Wow. And anybody who has autoimmune disease, and this goes for eczema, psoriasis, Crohn's disease, lupus, all these different ones, that Crohn's book is the same thing, but if it'll work for, it'll work for eczema as well, just so you know. If you're yeah. suffering from eczema, this is a, a way to reverse it. You just need to, you know, you can even email me. I'm interested in helping everyone. Eczema is a brutal disease brutal. that you can see more and more of it, and no one knows what it is. Do not put skin cream on. This is not coming from the exterior. It's coming from inside, guys. Yep. Coming from the side. So, okay. Thank you for letting me uh, share my information. I really appreciate that. Thank you so very much for coming on our show and educating us about all of that. Um, it, you do charge for that other book, but you only charge less than $5. You're not asking a lot. And for Crohn's disease and eczema, people do suffer for five bucks to learn about how to get rid of it forever. Uh, wonderful. Yes. So amazing. <laughs> yes. So amazing. Dr. Cool. Gold, thank you again so very much for all of your work. We can't wait for the movie to come out. And thank you for sharing your message today on on your day off, go out, get some sunshine and enjoy the rest of the day. Sure. We're so honored to host you. Awesome. It was great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long form very informative and concise episodes called the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. That can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show, Boundless Body Radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We are also offering group and one-on-one coaching and also access to these premium podcast episodes, the Balanced Body Radio Premium Podcast. We have three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon, check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you as always for listening to Boundless Body Radio.